Good morning. Nice to have your company. Welcome to Thursday. Marcus Paul in the morning. Plenty going on. Gee, it was nice to see a bit of, well, almost sunshine. It was nice just to have no rain falling yesterday. Mid-morning, it all came to an abrupt end. Although the flooding crisis continues across New South Wales and it's certainly become quite political. I'll have much to say this morning about what the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said yesterday. Also, what is doing with Resilience New South Wales? They've got a a war chest of $1.2 billion, but there's been criticism of a lackadaisical or certainly a slow response up there in the Northern Rivers in particular around uh, uh, the, the Lismore area. We'll get to that. Now, also this morning as well, I want to talk about... This is in relation to flooding and recent natural disasters and events that have happened here in Australia. Australia unites. There'll be a Red Cross flood appeal. I'm sure you've heard about this already. If you've watched any uh, commercial television, all the television networks are going to be involved in the broadcast of this. It'll be on uh, television over the weekend. And the Red Cross, along with the television networks, have organised a fundraising concert. Now, the, the, the talent there is amazing. Some great acts, Tones and I, Guy Sebastian, Delta will be there, all the usual suspects. Uh, and so it'll be, you know, a wonderful night of entertainment. But I've noticed a reluctance from many online as soon as this was announced, particularly on social media, where people have said, look, it's going to be great. I'm sure the concert will be fine, but I'm not parting with my hard-earned dollars. No, because the last time I did, I learned that the Red Cross kept most of it and didn't pass it on to bushfire victims. Anyway, I'll talk about that now. Uh, I'll get to your feedback as well. Thank you for to everybody that's made uh, contact with me, either via the uh, the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning, and I'm starting to receive emails too on my new email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. If there's something you'd like me to talk about, maybe you'd like to send me a message, whatever it is. Plenty of ways to get in contact with us at the moment, uh, but the email, the brand new email, which we uh, we set up this week, marcus.paul at starterfm.com. Or get to your feedback. Look, the cost of petrol, it keeps heading in one direction and that is north. The new norm will be in excess of $2 a litre. Can you believe this? Now, Pauline Hansen from One Nation has come up with a bit of an idea. She wants to uh, try and force the governments to cut the excise. Well, Harvard, in fact. <laughs> I don't know how much luck she's going to have there. They are addicted to the revenue uh, that they get from the fuel excise. So we'll speak about that. Uh, I'll let you know what Pauline Hansen is up to, um, certainly what uh, she has been talking about in relation to perhaps giving us a reprieve at the Bowser. Uh, But the problem is the national average price of unleaded petrol rose to a record 183.9 cents a litre in the last week. Global rises mean the cost will jump further in coming weeks, which means effectively not only are we going to pay more at the Bowser, but we'll pay more for our goods. Okay, so, you know, the the increase in petrol means the increase in freighting costs and logistics and all the rest of it. And it also means there'll be less money going back into the economy as well. We'll be spending less, less on consumer goods and more on petrol as fuel costs climb. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, So I'll get through some of the nitty-gritty of all of that. Uh, Bogan names. Yep, Australia's top Bogan name list has been revealed. News.com.au ran a story on it yesterday. I'll go through some of those (laughs) names. I hope none of my listeners have them. Uh, Look, it's just a bit of fun anyway. So we'll talk about that. And anything else that pops up this morning, if, uh, of course, you want to be a part of the program, do it online for now until we set up uh, our open line in the coming weeks. Marcus.Paul at starterfm.com.au. Welcome to Thursday morning. It is March the 10th.
Marcus Paul in the morning on this Thursday. Nice to have your company wherever you're listening to us across Australia, either on starterfm.com.au or, of course, the iHeart or TuneIn radio apps. Maybe you're catching up with us on the Prawncast. Look, before I move on any further, on Twitter yesterday, I found this gorgeous video. It was shared by a mate of mine, Van Badham, and we shared it as well. It's of a little girl in a Kiev bomb shelter singing the Frozen, uh, the song from the Frozen film, Let It Go. Now, tweets underneath the post revealed that her name was Amelia and she wants to be a singer on a grand stage. She's singing in Russian and the words are a little different to the lyrics in English. Someone in the tweets did a translation, but look, if you think... You're doing it a little tough at the moment, and look, I know many people are due to the floods and other issues, the pandemic and whatnot, but uh, there's nothing more humbling than, I guess, the sight of this gorgeous little girl. And if you haven't seen the video, it's up on my Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the Morning, uh, but it's definitely it brought me back down to earth. And, and many people who commented on the video said they were reduced to tears. So here is the little girl. Roughly, it translates to, let it go and forgets what's gone can't return. Let it go and forgets. A new day will show your path. I'm not afraid of anything. Let it storm. The cold is something I always liked. Have a listen to this, this gorgeous little Amelia. And keep in mind she's singing in a bomb shelter in downtown Kiev. singing in a bomb shelter of all places in downtown Kiev as Russian forces surround the city. It certainly brought me back down to earth. Speaking of the war in the Ukraine, the war is causing petrol price panic with new normal above $2 a litre. The national average price of fuel in the last couple of weeks has sat at around 184 to 185 cents a litre, depending on where you buy your fuel. Some people in in southeast Queensland are already paying in excess of $2.15 a litre. Petrol prices are absolutely already at record levels nationally, and a rise in the global cost of oil means that we will pay more in the coming weeks. But the cost goes far beyond, as I mentioned yesterday, just filling up at the Bowser. The problem we've got, of course, is the fact that petrol prices are skyrocketing. That means we're paying more for fuel and spending less in the shops. It also means the prices of what we're buying in these shops are also increasing. That is because freight logistics costs more for trucking companies. According to the Australian Institute of Petroleum, the national average unleaded petrol price rose by 3.3 cents to a record 184 cents a litre last week. That's the national average. That was before the United States announced it would ban all imports of Russian oil, joining the United Kingdom in that same stance. 
Now, US President Joe Biden warned Americans would see petrol prices rise due to this ban, saying defending freedom is going to cost. And we will certainly feel that cost here in Australia as well. Oil prices jumped more than 7% on this news, with the global benchmark Brent's crude oil trading at around US $130 a barrel. Now, that's not the highest price it's ever been in US dollars, but previous highs have occurred when the Australian dollar was much stronger and near parity with the greenback. Right now, we're nowhere near it. And the worst is yet to come. Ukraine, as you know, is about as far away as from Australia as you can be, but the war there is having an impact everywhere. The ongoing conflict in Ukraine is creating significant uncertainty and volatility in global fuel markets, and that's really driven up the global fuel prices near record highs. They were touching right up, right towards US $140 a barrel, then they settled down according to KPMG Consultancy. Because it takes a couple of weeks for those global price movements to feed into the domestic market, we are going to see prices go up from where they are now over the next few weeks. It's as simple as that. It won't be too far before we see $2.10 or $2.20 as the common price that people will be paying right across the country. I mean, already consumers in Adelaide and Perth are reporting prices of $2.20 a litre for unleaded petrol. Now, the other issue, of course, is that the increase in, in fuel prices isn't just for your family automobile, it will also affect airfares. While commuters will feel the first hit, the high cost of fuel is already flowing through the economy. Uh, Qantas boss, Alan Joyce, well, he's told an AFR, Australian Financial Review Business Summit, that airfares will need to rise. Uh, He said that as the fuel prices go up, so too will your airfares. And despite a pandemic-led explosion in work-from-home arrangements, the vast majority of Australians still need to travel to earn their living. Beyond a small amount of discretionary travel, people also generally cannot reduce the amount they they need, of course, to use their cars for essential transport related to getting the kids to school, shopping and errands. Now, the problem here is that on average, Australians are right now paying an extra $35 a week since the start of this year for fuel. That's on average. And of course, it will increase over the next month. Now, what to do about all of this and you know what, can gov- what levers can the government pull? Well, they could reduce, I guess, the fuel excise. I don't know if we could see that happening, uh, but somebody who's suggesting that it should, of course, is One Nation leader Pauline Hanson. Now, Pauline, during the week, made quite a few comments in relation to this. She wrote on social media that she's committed to supporting a 50% reduction in excise tax on petrol and diesel in Australia for the next year. The household budget, she says, cannot support petrol prices as they burst through the $2 a litre mark. These prices will hurt families, lift the price on farming and freight, which will increase the weekly grocery bill. Uh, Pauline says Australians are being ruthlessly gouged by global oil prices and the federal government imposed excise tax, which is currently set at 0.442 cents for every litre of fuel purchased. (laughs) Is that right? 0.442 cents for every litre of fuel purchased. Government makes a mozza out of it. Budget papers show Australian motorists will pay, you ready for this? $49.3 billion in net fuel excise over the next four years. So in excess of $10 billion a year going into government coffers from fuel excise. The saving to households will cost the federal government roughly $6 billion over the next year. And Pauline Hanson, in her bid to have the excise tax cut, says that something has to give. Now, I don't know whether she'll get much support. Maybe she will from the Greens. Probably not from Labor and certainly not from the government. Uh, Critics say that this is perhaps a uh, 
a bit of an election stunt from One Nation and Pauline Hanson, but, I mean, it makes common sense, doesn't it? Unfortunately, we won't see, I can't foresee governments taking any action in a reduction on the excise that we pay for fuel, can you? Marcus Paul in the morning on this Thursday. It is March the 10th. Nice to have your company. Okay, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning on a Thursday. Very soon I want to talk about this Red Cross flood appeal that's been dubbed Australia Unites. It'll be held over this weekend. It's being supported by all of the television networks, although I'm told... Uh, most of them are putting them on their second channels. I don't know, maybe they've seen the writing on the wall or certainly listened to what people are saying in Australia on social media that perhaps fewer people will be prepared to put their hands in their pockets, given that the last time we did, during the bushfire emergency, so much of the money wasn't passed on, or certainly in a, uh, a timely fashion. All right, well, I'll get to that very soon. Uh, Don't forget, we'd love you to support the uh, companies and the businesses that support us here at Marcus Paul in the Morning. And I've been telling you all week about Rick and the team from Fox Safety Consulting. Workplace Health and Safety, WHS or OHS, depending on the state or territory you're in, is a requirement of every trading business in the country. There's no getting around it. That's why your business, no matter how big or how small, needs Fox Safety Consulting. Workplace Health and Safety or Occupational Health and Safety can be very, very confusing and also at times quite frustrating. It is absolutely to know what to do and how to do it. That is why your business, no matter how big or how small, needs Fox Safety Consulting. At Fox Safety Consulting, Rick and his team will take the time to get to your business, uh, get to know your business, that is, and to understand how it operates. So they can then provide and tailor the best in safety for your workplace. They will design customised practical solutions to fit your needs and make sure your business remains compliant. But equally... Yeah, equally as important, they will help keep your workers safe. Fox Safety Consulting's national network of consultants are now ready to support your safety journey. Already building a strong reputation, Fox Safety Consulting is currently working with micro-businesses along with governments right across Australia. Get in touch today to see how they can help you and your business. To make an inquiry, Go to foxsafety.com.au and choose Fox Safety Consulting to support your safety journey. This is Radio Freedom. Okay, welcome back. Nice to be with you on this Thursday. It is March the 10th. Just do a little bit of your feedback before I move on. Cody's been in touch on the Marcus Paul in the Morning Facebook page. Cody writes, Marcus, in regards to why climate change is yet to be mentioned during the flooding. Natural disasters and the words climate change are Australia's school shootings. And now is not the time to discuss gun control. Yeah, well, I think it is. I really think it is. Although we do have a a federal election not too far away. So um, who is making the most out of, uh, when I say the most... Politically, I think it's been a little damaging, to be honest, for Scott Morrison. Albo doesn't need to do anything. Just needs to sit back and and watch how the LNP deal with things at both a state level in New South Wales and a federal level, of course. Uh, Raisin, thank you for your note regarding Andrew Constance. He was very critical of Scott Morrison during the bushfires, was exposed for the mess he made of Tahi, of course, yes, the public transport system in New South Wales. He resigned from state politics, announced that he was going to run in the federal seat of Gilmore, and now he's yet again critical of Scott Morrison for his failure to deal with the floods, as you mentioned yesterday on the program. Yeah, well, we did. I mentioned what Andrew Constance had to say. Anyway, Raisin goes on to say Constance and Morrison are linked by one common denominator. They're both Liberals. If Constance was genuine, he'd resign from the party because one thing can be guaranteed. Morrison won't budge on his draconian policies. Well, in response to that, Les says, Raisin, if anyone's thinking of voting for Constance, please think again. Just look at his track record as Transport Minister in New South Wales. Rail stuff-ups, ferries that won't fit under the bridges, Sydney's light rail, etc., etc. 
Yeah. I think a lot of people will agree with you, mate. Absolutely. Um, look, I've had quite a few responses to a few nasty comments uh, that have been made in relation to me jumping on here at Starter FM. And thank you. Thank you to the uh, illiterati. How did you get on the radio? Those that have jumped on certain radio sites having a crack. It'll be hard for Marcus to build a quality audience because two hours a day of Scott Morrison bashing can get very tedious, says Pete's. Daisy, uh, I mean, Daisy couldn't put a sentence together, so she's just written two words and she spelt one of them wrong. Daisy wrote, good riddance, R-I-D-D-E-N-S. Hey, they got it pretty easy. Uh, I don't know how Daisy goes on, uh, you know, on a daily basis through her life. She probably bumps into 15 doors. And this one, Leona Wright. He is the rudest man I've ever listened to on the radio. No respect for older or elderly people. He is labour to the end, not in the same class as others. All right, Leona, thank you. And this one... Although interesting at times, writes Brenda, he was so damn rude. Look out if you disagreed with him. I'm glad to see the end of him. Well, Brenda Robertson, you'll be happy to know it's not the end of me. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Oh, and this one that came from Starter FM. I mean, I, I love the intelligence of these simpletons like Jimmy West, who goes all the way to the Starter, Starter FM webpage and Facebook page to make his comment and have a crack. Jimmy writes, We'll make sure I never have to listen to this half-wit ever again. Without a doubt, the most annoying, rude, love itself on radio. It thinks it's a Grant Goldman. It isn't a Goldman skid mark. It's amazing what some guys will do for a pretty face. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for that. I feel so much better about myself. Um, yeah, anyway, but... Um, <laughs> I always love putting up screenshots of uh, my fan mail, and I, I do thank, I do thank you for jumping on and and leaving some funny comments. You know, you make lemonade out of lemons, really, don't you? I do appreciate it. Now, of course, we're on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely on Twitter. I'm having a crack at it anyway, having a bit of fun. I was surprised. You put a little, you know, simple 15, 20 second video up, or whatever it goes for, and. Hundreds, literally hundreds of people are watching it in the first hour. So I think I might continue with that. Uh, G'day, if uh, you're listening to us this morning and you've been brought to the program by, um, did I say Twitter? <laughs> oh, he's talking funny talk. I meant to say TikTok. <laughs> you see, I'm pretty stupid when it comes to social media and I'm still learning. I did say Twitter, didn't I? TikTok, thank you. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. See, it's not just for kids. Us semi-boomers can also hop on it and have a bit of fun. By the way, I'm also on Twitter, but I haven't got a clue how to use that. Twitter can be quite nasty, can't it? All right, let's uh, talk about this Australia Unite special events, the Australian Red Cross Flood Appeal. It's on Saturday night, starting at 7.30. The 7, 9 and 10 networks are apparently airing it, although I think 7 and 9 are putting it on some of their back channels. So I did see a fair amount of scepticism online about this, particularly given the Red Cross are involved. Now, I asked the question, can charities like the... And I don't want to just pick on the Red Cross because we know others were involved during the bushfire crisis, but can charities be trusted to pass on the lion's share of dollars raised? Now, Australia Unites on the weekend, the Red Cross Flood Appeal will be a star-studded joint fundraising event to help those who have suffered from the devastating Queensland floods and New South Wales floods. There'll be a host of Australian music greats who will perform to raise money on the night, including Tones and I, Jimmy Barnes, Delta Goodrum, John Stevens, Vanessa Amorossi, uh, some old acts including the Hunters and Collectors, also Shepherd will be there, Casey Donovan, The Living End, and there'll be plenty more as well. Look, it'll be entertaining. Absolutely it will be. But... As many of you are saying online, certainly on the post that I uh, put up, you're not quite sure you want to uh, part with your hard-earned. Why? Well, because many Australians are still feeling a little burnt, pun intended, by parting with their money during the bushfire crisis. 
Let me have a look here. Corey says, well, I'd say a fundraiser like this is in good faith. But considering the government will take charge of the funds, well, it might never even make it to anyone who needs it. Um, Eric says, at the end of the day, the need for charities is just an acceptance of the government abrogating their responsibilities. We shouldn't need them. Demand government assists and supports its people. Uh, Max, g'day Max, Uh, Max is a regular correspondent, Maxie Hart. Max writes, we've been scammed by too many charities on too many occasions, Marcus, and now are willing to trust nearly all of them, uh, well, uh, unwilling rather to trust nearly all of them ever again. With the huge percentage the charities take on the huge salaries the bosses take, I, like many, gave up on them a long time ago. The bushfires, Marcus, were the last straw for me. That's a bloody outrage, it is. All right, Margaret says, I would rather donate to the Rural Fire Service and the SES, the ones that actually help flood and fire victims. Scott Morrison's promised $4 billion emergency fund has never been given out, which is shameful. I donated directly to a family that lost their house in the bushfires. Not giving money out to charities... Uh, okay, so thank you for, look, and there are so many responses there that I just can't, I don't have the time to go through them all this morning, but I do thank Francis and Valerie and Tessa and Kevin and Christian and Simon and Alan and Caleb and Anthony and Patrick and many others, many, many others. Oh, just on Patrick's, uh, for your comments, that is, Patrick has sent me a note here. Fundraiser getting our local families back home. This is a local charity. Donate locally where you have the option, says Patrick Joseph. Dear community seeking financial donations for our cherished families, 100% of all money raised goes directly to all families. It takes a town. It's a registered charity. You get a tax receipt issued if you donate directly to a bank account there. Maybe that is the best way to go. I'm not quite sure. But thank you. Thank you for letting me know about that, Patrick. And if you want to have a look how you can donate locally to that charity that Patrick's referring to, just go to the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning. Look, it'll be a great night of entertainment, and I'm sure they'll raise lots of money. Let's just hope that the money that is raised, the lion's share of it, the vast majority, the bulk of it goes to the people who need it the most. I don't want to be hearing about people living in tents some two, three years after this current flooding events. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Thursday. All right, welcome back. I'll get to some of the letters to the editor and hear what uh, everyday Aussies are asking and talking about. We'll do that as I do each and every show. Just a little on shame worn. As his body's returned to Australia, of course, Warney will be farewelled by his family at a private funeral service before this state funeral or, or public memorial, which will happen at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, the MCG, on March the 30th. Now, formal plans for the, the big service at the, at the MCG, or the G, they're on hold until, of course, Warney's family can you know say their private farewells and I'm, I'm sure they're doing that as we speak and as his body's returned here to Australia. Now the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade say in a statement that they assisted the repatriation of Warney back home to Australia. As Thai police released new pictures showing the inside of Warne's room including his open suitcase on the floor which contained the cap he wore in the last ever picture that he posed for and his shoes placed... You know, they go through everything. Has there been a little bit of... um, I know it's shame-worn, I get that. But just about every story that could be written about somebody, I think has been. It's been exhaustive. And I understand people will lap it up because he's an Australian uh, icon. I get all of that, but do we really need to see pictures of his shoes... Do we need to know that the suitcase was open in the room? Anyway, uh, the pictures have been released. I, I was, in, in particular, I was pretty annoyed at the media, you know, showing the, uh, uh, I guess, oh, they do it though, don't they? But you know what I mean, showing every move, 
The body is now here. It's being driven there. Here is Mr. Warren's body being wheeled out of the morgue into and onto a plane. Yeah, just, I don't know. I, sometimes I think there's just a little bit too much. Anyway. Let's see what's going to happen uh, on the big day, that is March the 30th. Um, it could have been on March the 29th, but apparently that may have clashed with the federal budget, which would have prevented Scott Morrison and a host of other senior Canberra figures from attending. Might be a good thing. Anyway, media figure Eddie Maguire, who helped create the Melbourne Stars with Shane Warne, has been tipped to be the master of ceremonies at the State Memorial. A VIP guest list was being drawn up with those likely to get seats near the front of the stage. Demand for tickets could result in a packed house at the venue, which of course seats 100,000 people. That's in the stands. Now, apparently, singer Ed Sheeran, who'd spoken to Warney in the days leading up to his death, has a clear schedule between concerts at that time. So he might be there and uh, perhaps performing. Look, we'll, we'll have to wait and hear exactly what's taking place. But look, as I, I'm about to fall uh, foul of something that I was a little annoyed about before, and that is talk about, you know, the last movements of an icon who's passed away, but Warney and his group of friends enjoyed a standard Thai back and neck massage in the hours before his death. A royal Thai police source confirmed four masseuses were at the uh, the villas on Friday with CCTV footage showing the women arriving at the luxury villas lounge room near the pool before leaving together. Warn and his friends, I won't name them. I think they need they should get their privacy anyway. They were staying together at the five-star retreat. Is it, do we need to know? I mean, haven't they also mentioned some of the last things he ate and what he drank? Didn't he have a, a Vegemite sandwich? Uh, anyway, I don't know. Um, I just think there's been a little bit too much written about. I, I like seeing the happy snaps of his family, and I have to say I was moved by some of uh, the comments that his children made as, you know, they gave their public statements about their dad. Um, but every uh, newspaper outlet, every magazine, every online publication, everybody is running everything they possibly can on Shane Warne. A grieving Simone Callahan has paid tribute to her ex-husband Shane Warne by posting never-seen-before family photographs of the cricketing legend enjoying time with the couple's three children. And on they go. Um, Brooke, Jackson and Summer have all made their statements. And now, of course, his ex-wife, Simone Callahan. Is it Callahan? Yeah, that's her. Warney's 24-year-old daughter and oldest child, Brooke. Yeah, her uh, comments moved me the other day. She said she promised to cherish her memories with her father, adding, I love you to infinity and back and I will miss you forever. Yeah, well, Vale, Shane Ward, I won't go on too much more about it. I just wanted to mention that, of course, the state funeral, the big public event to commemorate Shane's life, will be held on March the 30th. So, what's everybody saying in letters to the editors of this morning as we check them out each and every day? I like uh, perusing through uh, to see what everyday Australians... Although, I, they never mention the ages of the people who are commenting. I suspect, uh, well, maybe uh, the ones that read The Herald are a little older than the ones that read The Rags, The Telly and The Tabloids might be a little... Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know. But anyway... Here are what people are saying. Bruce, who's from Banks in the ACT. There's a suburb called Bruce in the ACT as well. Imagine if he was Bruce from Bruce. I digress. Predictably, as drought follows flood, there will be calls to build or extend dams as the situation osculates between too much and not enough water. Take Brisbane's water supply from the Wyvernhoe Dam. This was designed to be a two-dam project. 
one to have the capacity to ensure water security for years, the other with reserved ability to store floodwaters that regularly threaten the city. The dam operators are in a catch-22 situation. Let too much drinking water go and they're in strife in a future drought. But hold too much drinking water with not enough capacity to prevent flooding now and again they're in strife. Governments terrified of any environmental green or NIMBY groups, yeah, well, they probably are, do nothing but front the media on cue as each catastrophe unfolds. What's the bet that when the current crisis passes, Sydney's water problems will lay dormant until the next drought or indeed the next flood? That's a great letter. Yeah, good stuff from Bruce. Meanwhile, Marg from Castle Hill in Sydney says, maybe the environmentalists who oppose raising the Warragamba Dam would like to explain to residents and businesses in the Windsor-Richmond areas why their properties have again been exposed to damaging floods when this project has been stymied for the last 30 years. Just as well Noah heeded the warning and built his ark in record time, because if he was around today, he would probably be banned due to concerns about trees used in the building process, unsafe working conditions, and taking animals from their natural habitat. Just get it done. These people have suffered enough. Yeah, pretty good letters so far, I think. Uh, Also, in relation to Warragamba Dam, Um, Here we go. Uh, This comes from Ray at Kellyville Ridge. Be pretty safe there at Kellyville, wouldn't you, mate? Anyway, the reality is that over many decades, successive governments of both political persuasions have permitted more and more development within the known floodplain of the Hawkesbury River. So while the Kolong Foundation and the insurance industry don't support raising the dam wall, the reality is the dam wall should be raised, as well as improvements made to road access, egress within the floodplain. There should also be a moratorium on any further building development within flood-prone areas. Costly? Yes. But turning a blind eye on past poor decisions should not be an excuse for not making matters better now. All right, well, uh, this has also come through. This one here from Dave in Bidwell, out there in Sydney's west. Whatever can be done to ease the threat of floods in the Hawkesbury and the Pean Rivers must be done, no excuses. The Warragamba Dam seems to be a major factor in this life-threatening, home-destroying situation. Do what's needed to fix the situation now. People matter. Children matter. The pain and suffering of so many innocent people matters. So says David Bidwell. And I'll finish with this one here in our letters uh, this morning. Uh, this is on the Royals. I haven't spoken about the Royals yet, have I, on this uh, this new program? It's from Alan, who's in North Parramatta. What a good brother Prince Charles is, stepping up to pay for the errors of the Queen's prodig- prodigal son, Andrew. Although only alone, the firm couldn't afford the bad publicity of Andy scrounging around finance from loose-lipped Mayfair bankers. What a shame Andrew must sell his Swiss chalet. A perfect location out of Britain to permanently exile the morally vexed royal. The Queen's historic namesake, the no-nonsense Elizabeth I, might have already sorted out this problem in the Tudor fashion in the Tower of London. Imagine Andy headless. Sorry. Uh, Many of her headless subjects had offended far, far less. Isn't that great? All right, uh, there's a few letters that have popped up. Okay, welcome back. I've been looking forward to getting stuck into this little story here. Bogan names. Can you believe it? Uh, The annual list of Australia's most Bogan baby names for this year has been revealed. Yep, the annual Bogan baby name list is back. And as usual, there's a few shockers that will leave people shrouded in shame. Oh, boy. Uh, I have been noticing a trend emerging in the Bogan baby name underworld in the past year. Made-up monikers seem to be overtaking misspelled ones, although there's still plenty of those. No longer content with butchering the spelling of regular names, parents across Australia are going back to the drawing board to invent brand-spanking new horrors for their offspring. 
<laughs> yeah, true. All right, well, let's have a look at the best bogan names for girls. We'll start with you ladies first. Of course, beauty before the beast. Brexley. B-R-E-X-L-E-I-G-H. Spelling out the E-I-G-H sound, E, which is a new trend as we're hearing, seems like a ploy to make this made-up name look more legit, but it just gives people a headache. There's an angry red squiggle under it in uh, the Google document here. Even the bots don't like it. Brexley. Um, uh, Parents are also taking one of the simplest names out there, Ivy, and mangling it beyond recognition. IVC. Is that right? I-V-E-I-G-H-S-E-E. IVC? Dear, oh dear. Jewel, J-W-L. Jewel is originally a beautiful Dutch name meaning youthful, but some parents are bestowing it on their innocent children as a nod to the, wait for it, vape brand. No, they're not, are they? Cardi, K-A-R-D-I. Everyone and their neighbours are naming their babies after rapper Cardi B, which for your information is short for Bacardi. Throw a K in for a random spelling twist and all your bogan dreams come true. Kior, K-I-O-R. Karen loves the fake Dior handbag she bought in Thailand and her beloved Staffy's name is Kiki. So it just makes sense for her to call her daughter Kior. Three Ks, just like the Kardashians. Uh, Miracle, spelt M-I-R-A-C-C-L-E. Well, according to the US Social Security Administration, 11 American babies were given this name with this exact spelling in 2016. Apparently, Miracle. M-I-R-A-C-C-L-E. Resilia, R-E-S-I-L-I-A. Kids have had to be resilient due to the global pandemic. Resilient, Resilia. Yeah. No thanks. Salmon. Really? Salmon? Like, as in the fish variety? <sighs> Samanda. S A M A N D A. In the history of horrible mashup names, <laughs> this has got to be one of the worst. Samantha and Amanda together. Samanda. All right, well, that's the, uh, the list so far of the top bogan names for Australian babies, uh, girls, that is. Let's turn it blue. Let's go to the boys. Brave. Really? B-R-A-V-E. This is almost as basic as Brasilia and a tad more irritating. Not only is it annoying for the general public, but also for the poor child who will have to live up to it. No one is happy. Thank God you can change your name legally. Brave? Really? Draven. D-R-A-V-E-N. Draven is both an English rock band and a League of Legends character, but not a human's name. Dear oh dearie me. Draxler. D-R-A-X-L-E-R. Probably inspired by the German soccer star Julian Draxler, this fresh level of bogan hell is sure to be shortened to Drax. <laughs> what about these lot? Cashton. Cash. As if that's not bogan enough for some parents who've felt the need to up the ante and tack on the uber ogan a bogan on at the end. <laughs> How can you say that with a straight face? Hi, this is my mate. Yeah, what's his name? Cashton? Knoxley. K-N-O-X-L-E-E. Well, at least they didn't try to fancy it up by spelling it L-E-I-G-H. Dear, oh dear, meet Knoxley. Hmm. Legend. Well, L-E-D-G-E-N, legend. If you want to let the know of the world know you think your child is a dead set legend without sounding cocky about it, well, that letter scramble certainly will throw them off the scent for sure. <laughs> legend. Maxon. All right, we've had Maximilian, Maxwell, or just plain Max to choose from, but no. Some people had to go out there and make up your own special name. I reckon he'll still get called Max rather than Maxon. M-A-X-O-N. Raw. No. No, no, no. Just no. R-O-A-H, as in the lion's raw. No. I mean, that's as bogan as it gets. 
and zinc. If I mention putting zinc on my kids' noses on a sunny day, they lose their minds. No! No zinc! So it's pretty unfair, I think, to name a child zinc. Anyway, that article uh, that I'm quoting from uh, appeared on Kids Spot. It's a good piece. What do you make of all these bogan names? I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you to Sabrina Rogers Anderson, who wrote some of the original uh, of that article. But what's your favourite bogan name? Let me know in the comments under the podcast below. Marcus Paul in the morning. Is Marcus Bogan? I think most of us have seen that horrific vision of that nasty car accident that happened on the Sydney Harbour Bridge just the other morning. It was awful. It was on Monday morning during peak hour at a time when things were already, um, you know, delayed because of the very wet weather. Well, a distinctive tattoo has helped police identify the driver of that allegedly stolen four-wheel drive involved in the fiery crash on the bridge. He's a 19-year-old bloke from Queensland. And you might have uh, caught up with the news in the last couple of days that police actually, because they couldn't speak to this bloke, he was in hospital, they needed to identify him, so they (laughs) took a picture of his hand and the distinctive tattoo on it while he was lying on a gurney, I think either being wheeled into hospital or into the ambulance. As I say, the crash on Monday during peak hour injured three people, including this teenager who remains in Royal North Shore Hospital under police guard with serious but non-life-threatening head injuries. Police say that the Toyota Kluger he was driving was stolen just before 7 o'clock from the city before it crashed head-on only minutes later into a van flipping and bursting into flames. The impact caused the van to bounce, crashing into a third car. Now, the three drivers were hospitalised and the ensuing carnage closed the bridge for around three hours and that caused even more traffic chaos to an already pretty bad peak hour. Now, investigators were able to identify the Kluger driver following a public appeal for information on Tuesday, which included releasing a photo of that distinctive tattoo on the man's hand. Uh, It's pretty ugly, if you ask me. It had an eye. It's a tattoo of an eye and uh, what seems to be really badly drawn snakes around it anyway. Uh, Police thank the public and the media for their help in identifying this bloke and inquiries into the circumstances of the crash continue, but um, I don't think they'll have to look too further than the video, the dash cam footage that most of us have seen. I mean, it's a miracle, a dead set miracle that no one was killed during this multi-car crash and the scenes, not only of the accident itself, but a car bursting into flames after it, Uh, It it was just incredible, absolutely incredible, seeing this fireball on top of one of the most recognisable sites in Australia. Anyway, this bloke, when he does wake up, now that he's identified, I think he'll have a fair bit of explaining to do to police. Has the planet gone mad? Yeah, thank you for tuning in on this Thursday, March the 10th, Marcus Paul in the morning. Um, One of the, uh, I I guess, the most awful sights, apart from seeing, obviously, people losing their homes and their livelihoods, businesses and and whatnot up there in the Northern Rivers, in Lismore in particular, one of the saddest sights, of course, has been the animals. We mustn't forget about the animals. And I'm looking at a, a photograph here of a starving, suffering, what seems to be herd of cattle stranded in floodwaters. So northern New South Wales vets have been working tirelessly to save hundreds of these starving animals amid the flood crisis. And a vet up there says blatant animal cruelty is ongoing across the region. And he blames a slow response by agricultural authorities for hundreds of animals being left to suffer and starve. 
In the past week, Lismore-based large animal vet Bruno Roz has borrowed boats and received help from private helicopter companies to reach stranded animals. It even happened in Sydney just the other day, around the Camden area in the southwest, where local blokes, I think they were tradies, got in their boat and went and strand, went out to help capture and remove stranded cattle and put them up on higher ground. Anyway, back to uh, to the northern rivers. And this, this vet, Bruno Ross, well, he said that uh, he and other vets worked tirelessly to rescue the horses and cattle they could and feed those that they could find. He said he was focused on emergency euthanasia and fodder dropping. There were so many animals, he said, that they just couldn't get to. He says that hundreds of cattle were still stranded and suffering. He was also quite furious about the, quote, pathetic response by local and state agricultural authorities. He said it's been the most dysfunctional coordination. He's told the ABC they were slow to come in, they haven't provided the resources they could have got a hold of. Now, this Dr. Roz, this veterinarian, had been trying to reach people in charge for days about the crisis, but he got no response. Uh, He told Auntie that animals have been left stranded, starving. He suspects animals that could have been saved by a hay drop have died, and animals that should have been euthanized or euthanized earlier have been missed. He said, unfortunately, so many animals have been lost. The horses and cattle left of, well, they have severe injuries. Some have major leg lacerations and infections, and many are also unfortunately suffering suffering from pneumonia. The same with the cattle. They have sore feet. They are absolutely exhausted. Now, the New South Wales government has established a hotline to alert authorities to stranded, injured or perished livestock. That hotline number, 1-800-814-647-1-800-814-647. This veterinarian, Dr. Roz, has called on local and state authorities to contact him so he and other vets can help lead them to the animals in need. He said nobody wants to come down there and talk because they don't want to be held accountable. It's garbage that you can call a 1-800 number and cattle will be fed. No one knows, according to the good veterinarian, where these animals are. Farmers haven't returned to the paddocks. How will they be fed? Now, Dougal Saunders, who's the new New South Wales Agriculture Minister, I think he's copped out a little bit here. He says that authorities had done everything they could to reach animals stranded across the region. He said since Thursday, uh, when we could have had choppers in the air safely, they have delivered fodder. There has been surveillance flights to find animals in need as well, according to Dougal Saunders. He denied that authorities had been slow to respond. He said to the ABC, this isn't animal cruelty, this is what happens in a flood. We've seen whole herds wash down rivers. We've seen horses on balconies. This is, according to Dougal Saunders, a disaster beyond everything we've ever seen before. So expect to know where the, uh, so to be expected to know where all the animals are is a bit unreasonable. He said the hotline, that 1-800 number that I mentioned, was crucial for authorities to coordinate efforts with locals who need help. Now, Mr Saunders said authorities had removed some 650 dead animals from properties already and the toll was only expected to increase. All right, well, if you're up that neck of the woods and you do need to call that number for any injured or worse perished livestock, it is 1-800-814-647. 1-800-814-647. As I say, it's not just people that have been suffering during these floods, particularly in the northern rivers. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, look, um, if you're wondering why I'm cackling to myself here, I've just had a, a brief look at this following story. Have you ever been shat on? I'm sorry to use those terms at breakfast time, but or pooed on from up high? by a bird? Well, it happened live on air during a press conference yesterday. 
a program that the state government. Yeah. Oh. Oh no. Oh, Mikey. Sorry. Take your jacket off. Continue. And Take uh, the jacket off. Uh oh. Everyone look above. Oh no. Is anyone got some tissue? Hey, this is on you, mate. Oh, there's a hanky. Here we are. Thank you. I'm going to answer quickly. Um, <laughs> An Auslan interpreter has been praised for his deft response after taking an unfortunate direct hit from a hefty load of bird poo during a live media briefing yesterday. The icky incident came as Deputy Premier Stephen Miles answered questions about the flood crisis in southeast Queensland when he was interrupted by interpreter Mikey Webb. Well, shit. A surprise, Mr. Webb said, upon discovering his left shoulder and forehead had been splattered with bird poo. The briefing came to a temporary halt while Mr. Webb removed his jacket and wiped himself down with a handkerchief provided by a kindly police officer. He quickly regained his composure in time to finish the rest of the conference. Now, Mr. Miles noted he would answer any remaining questions quickly to avoid any further bird shit. I mean, interruptions. The feathered culprit responsible for the untimely interruption was later outed by Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk. Nothing stops our fabulous Mikey. He stands by my side. He stands by Queensland side, she tweeted. By the way, apparently, according to the Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk, it was actually an owl. Yep, there you go. Mr Webb is apparently no stranger to being hampered in his work by errant wildlife. He was also present for a, uh, uh, during a Queensland COVID briefing in December that also had to come to an abrupt halt when a huntsman spider began scaling Health Minister Yvette Darth's leg. He and Queensland Chief Health Officer Dr John Gerard searched for the offending arachnid as Miss Darth explained her fear of huntsmen. Now, well, there you go. This proves how controlled I can be. I don't like huntsmen, but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to pretend I don't have a huntsman on me right now, she said. We've got COVID and we've got huntsmen. Look, I don't know. What would you prefer? Would you prefer to perhaps be shat on from high by an owl or a huntsman crawling on your body? It's a tough choice, isn't it? Okay, well, that's it for my say today on this Thursday, March the 10th. Over to you. Any of the, uh, the stories we've spoken about this morning, you can leave your comments uh, on in the podcast uh, Facebook page, just, you know, in the comments section. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, maybe you'd like to have your say on the flooding situation. Maybe you're as frustrated as uh, those Lismore locals were yesterday with the Prime Minister. Uh, I mean, I think the response has been a little slow. And Resilience New South Wales need to pull their finger out and start spending that billion dollars uh, that they have. They like to keep a hold of it, don't they? Absolutely. Uh, maybe you'd like to comment on the uh, the vaping situation with schools that I mentioned. And, of course, the funding discrepancy. Well, I, for the life of me, I still don't understand and won't accept that federal dollars are pumped into private schools. There's no need for it. Anyway, um, if you want to leave your comments on those stories, if you uh, you can do so on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the Morning. If you want to send me an email, you can do that as well. That's marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Okay, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. And while you're there, have a look at our Starter FM page as well. Check out some of all the other wonderful programs that we have 24-7 here on Starter FM. You might want to have a listen to my mate Alex and his bangers show. I spelled it B-A-N-G-E-R-S. He wasn't happy with that. Apparently it's bangers. B-A-N-G-A. Anyway, whatever it is. Wow, sounds good to me. It's good fun. Good gear. There you go. Am I sounding a, a little younger now, Alex? It's good gear, mate. It pays to be ignorant. Uh, don't forget, uh, on Tuesday of next week... Um, that podcast, uh, video podcast that I, I did with Isaac Butterfield earlier this week, uh, all the edits are being done at the moment. The problem is I don't cut out any of the swear words. I don't think I've sworn so much in my life. Anyway, um, <laughs> don't show mum and dad. 
And just keep in mind that it's three blokes having a chat and, um, yeah, a few words fly here, there and everywhere. So, um, but, well, I'll put a language warning on it when I put it up next week anyway. But I'm looking forward to that. There is a teaser to it. Uh, that you can see on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning, but that should drop sometime next Tuesday. Uh, if you would like to sponsor the program, get in touch with me, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. If you want to help out with some of our production and running costs, you can uh, become a patron of mine. Um, uh, the link to my Patreon is up on the Facebook page as well. I hope you have a wonderful day today. It'll be nice to see some sunshine, won't it? We'll be back tomorrow morning between 7 and 9. Marcus Paul in the morning. Look after each other. Take care and I'll catch you tomorrow. Bye now.